Good morning, folks. I know we'll have a, a few other folks joining us throughout, um, but uh, wanted to welcome you to this first inaugural edition of the Baton Salon. Um, as we promoted it uh, on LinkedIn and, and website and Twitter, we say it's a modern throwback to the Enlightenment era gatherings that hopefully feature thoughtful conversation, reasoned debate, and the, the collaborative refinement of ideas. Uh, we, we hope this salon supports you making critical decisions and guiding their organizations. Uh, but, but most importantly, I think um, we just need an excuse to get together. Uh, this is, this is going to be a, a, a fun conversation. Hopefully you, you walk away with a few ideas, but hopefully you, you're, you're also willing to, to contribute a few ideas. Um, so summaries of our live podcast will be posted via our website, batonglobal.com, YouTube, and your favorite podcast apps. Um, podcast approval waiting times are anywhere from three hours to three weeks. So please stay tuned in, in Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, so with that, let's dive right into things. Today's salon is, uh, is meant to cover what, what we describe our job as sometimes. And that's, um, hey, Mitchell, hey, Cap'n, what do you do? Well, I do 50% strategy, 50% therapy. Um, and, and that's personal therapy, that's professional therapy, that's organizational therapy, that's personal strategy, that's professional strategy, that's organizational strategy. Um, we're going to be talking about how do we play through COVID-19. Uh, I think we at, at Baton think that, that this is in many ways our new normal. Um, I've described it to my 12-year-old as, you know, if you sprained your ankle in the third quarter of a game, um, how do you play through that? How do you make that your new normal and, and normalize our response to this in such a way that, that it, it doesn't make sense necessarily to talk about after this is over uh, in a couple weeks um, or, or maybe even a couple we, uh, months? What we know about pandemics is that there's always second and third waves um, and, and we need to be able to play through that. Um, we're going to talk about what makes an effective crisis response, what it takes to have agile execution. But I think one of the, the more interesting bits is we'll also talk about self-care. Um, what does it mean to, to sustain organizational resilience, individual resilience, as, as we're being asked to do uh, radically different things? Um, uh, we'll, we'll always trot out, uh, you know, change management models. And, and one of them that we'll look at today is the psychodynamic approach to change. Uh, how do you react to change? How do you go through the cycles of change and, uh, and, and eventually get out on the other side? So we hope to have an, an interactive, engaging conversation with everyone today. Professor Kappen, you want to uh, say a few words, do the introductions, and, and then we'll, we'll uh, in, address everyone and, and welcome everyone formally. Sure. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, I think what Matthew forgot to tell you is it's 50% strategy, 50% therapy, 50% other duties as assigned. Uh, <laughs> but that aside, in our recent conversations, talking to people uh, in Des Moines, in our overseas locations where we have offices, former clients, current clients, uh, a desire to share information and connect has been a theme that we have observed the last two, two and a half weeks. Um, I think we've been talking about doing a podcast for five years. We weren't thinking about <laughs> doing a live podcast five years ago, but it's always been in the back of our mind. You know, we should, we should just sit down and record some of the stuff we say. 
um, before we get old and forget what it is we used to say. Uh, and this uh, moment of social isolation, I think, has, has been a good spark. And some, other, uh, of our, some of our associates in the firm pushed the podcast idea, and, and we decided now was uh, the time to uh, strike. So with that note, um, thank you for coming. Uh, many of you on the call, I think, are former students, current and former colleagues. I think I have an old, a former neighbor that might be on the call. So um, <laughs> we appreciate the friend and family support for the inaugural uh, Baton Salon. And, and some of you know us, some of you don't. So Professor Kappen, let's, uh, let's go into introductions. I'm going to introduce you and you introduce me. Um, okay. the, the way that I, to, to folks that don't know Jeff, I describe him as the smartest guy I know. Um, he, he, he speaks five languages when he's sober. Um, and yet leaks three or four more when he's had a beer or two. Um, so if we really get desperate, we can always, um, you know, talk about beverages and, and languages. Um, but, but Professor Kappen really takes care of um, all the, the heavy lifting when it comes to, to the research aspect, um, really brings a sharp mind uh, organizationally, but also globally really takes care of, of all of our organizational behavior elements, um, understanding how people work in organizations. Uh, but beyond that is, is probably just the best person to ask uh, a, a question when you need an answer, uh, because the, the trust is there and, uh, and I sincerely appreciate his willingness to, to join us uh, today. Captain? Geez, how do you follow up that introduction? Thank you very much. Uh, so for those of you who don't know Professor Mitchell, who would prefer to go by Matthew 99.8% of the time, um, he describes himself frequently as a pilgrim. And uh, I think when we first started working together, I wasn't really sure what that meant. Uh, I knew he'd done the pilgrimage across Spain, so I had that going on. But uh, as we have spent uh, the last six, seven years uh, working together uh, in various contexts, I think that metaphor aptly describes the thirst for knowledge, the willingness to meet people where they are, plug in on their journeys. Um, I told him last week that uh, I think he gives more than pretty much anyone I know uh, to the point where I told him to take a day off uh, on purpose. And um, we are very fortunate to have him uh, leading many of uh, our strategic engagements. Uh, many of you have had leadership, who are here right now have had leadership classes with him. Uh, and benefited both from the breadth of his knowledge uh, and the depth of uh, his soul and his willingness to help you out. So um, I will stop there and maybe we can get going and stop motion. This, <laughs> so we've started the therapy early. Uh, yeah, we've got right the therapy on. dog, Molly. <laughs> uh, I, I see the therapy dog there for us, which is exciting. Um, so we, we've got quite a few folks on the, on the call and um, I'm gonna um, probably jump into some of the material, but. But in the, make sure if you have any questions to, to go ahead and post them in the chat. Um, would absolutely be, be willing to, to take those questions. And, and that's something that we expect this to be is, is very interactive. Um, I think that the Enlightenment era salons are a place where we come together to try to, to, to lift each other up, but also uh, to, to refine our collective ideas. So if you do want to have a question, feel free to put that in there or, or even just unmute and, and jump right in. I think we have plenty of time and space to be able to do that. I will uh, go ahead and, and get us right into um, the, uh, some of the material. Uh, Carter, can, can you see this screen? Yes, yeah, see it really well. Fantastic. So 
this is the way we think about strategy. Some of you have seen this, um, others maybe not, but we, we think there's four key elements to a successful strategy. And, and it aligns very well to our, our title today of, of uh, strategy and therapy. Um, so first of all, you gotta know yourself. Um, and this is both for individually and organizationally. Um, what do you do well? What differentiates your offering? Next is know thy enemy. Uh, we say that there's nothing new under the sun. Um, it's just a matter of how it's done. Um, and, and you know, these are 5,000-year-old ideas from, from Sung Tzu and others. Know the competitive environment. Know what you are uh, up against. Know what trends are in the market. And frankly, COVID-19 is a fantastic example of something that we may should have been able to expect, but probably didn't. Next, think big. Um, what are those big goals? Um, what are the, the, the aspirational goals that, that cause you to sit up a little straighter sometimes, that cause you to, to be inspired, but also to be just a little bit scared? Um, and then finally, what I, I think all of us on this call and, and all of our organizations um, that we work with have a, a reservoir, a deep reservoir of uh, an ability to work hard. Um, and so we think with these four key elements, uh, that tends to, over time, produce a successful strategy. It produces a culture and a language uh, for individuals and organizations to be able to, to execute successfully and achieve those goals. But, uh, Captain, as you work through strategy with, with organizations here and abroad, um, where do you see them you know, having the most success? Um, and where do you see some of the pitfalls as, as they try to go through and, and execute their strategy? Yeah, I think one of the pitfalls that we run into uh, as, as we put this up, there are two. Uh, one is around an objective self-appraisal. I think when we go in to do strategy, a lot of people know their competition. They know the dynamics of the markets. They know the constraints of government regulation. Everyone seems to level set on that part pretty quickly. They might disagree on priority or which one is the most important. Uh, I find where organizations tend to struggle is either on a real objective self-appraisal, uh, and secondly, is on within the thinking big box, the ability to embrace change in a meaningful way and think beyond uh, what we're doing now, what we've always done, to what could we do. Uh, I was recently with uh, some European clients, uh, and it took me, I, I kept asking for 15, 20 minutes, okay, that's, that was 10 years ago. Uh, there was some therapy in that session, so personal gripes from eight years prior came out. We smoothed those over, and then I said, okay, but what's next? What do you want to do? If I gave you a magic wand and you could start over, what does that scenario look like? Uh, and I think with the pressures of day-to-day, -day, and I suspect uh, we may get to this point when we start thinking about the current crisis more explicitly, um, is what is the big thought, and how do you get there, and what does that look like? And those seem to be two places uh, where we have to tug on uh, our clients a little bit to get to get good answers that we can use. So, um, you know, I, I, I couldn't agree more. This this objective self appraisal. Sometimes we have it. Sometimes we have it early on in our careers, and and sometimes I'm, I'm going to be very honest. It, it does tend to fade um, as we gain experience, the ability to be introspective, and so it does take a community, and and maybe that's a good chance to bring in a few other voices 
Um, Jackson, uh, I, I know you're on the, the call and, and hopefully you can hear us and, and participate as well, but you have strategy in your title. Um, how, do you, how do you work with your clients to, uh, to allow them to maintain a healthy understanding of, of themselves and their ability to execute? Wow. Thank you so much for calling me out at uh, 7.40 in the morning, Dr. Mitchell. That's much appreciated. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I think that's something that I, I have to do every every single day. And, and obviously, that uh, the pressure of that has, has ratcheted up greatly, uh, given the current, uh, you know, unprecedented and, and uncertain environment. Um, I think, you know, I work for, for ITA Group based in the, uh, based in the Des Moines area. And one of the things that we're most known for is is big live events um, that is obviously completely disrupted in the current environment. Um, most of our clients are either postponing or outright canceling for the next, you know, three, four, five months. Um, and so right now, all of our strategy discussions are are helping them figure out how they can take the. I don't know if anybody's ever seen the the episode of. Whoops. Whoops. Sorry. How they can take the content that they're trying to get out to the masses, their partners, their customers, even their own employees in some circumstances, um, and, and deliver that, that messaging, that critical messaging that's going to be carried throughout their year um, out to uh, these critical audiences in an environment that, that uh, they have relied on for, for many years. You know, a, a big live event with, with keynote speakers and breakout, breakout sessions and, and trainings uh, is, a, is a really big deal. And we have clients that are doing multi, multi-million dollar spends annually with us to, to help them drive that, that messaging home, to help them build their own brand with these audiences. And so for us right now, it's how, how do you allow that message to, to carry forward strategically um, in, in an environment, uh, in that live environment that's, that's immediately been, been taken away. So it's, it's, it's challenging. Um, and you have to be innovative and collaborative with one another, with one another to, to ensure that, uh, that those goals and objectives that were tied to a live event can now be replicated in, in some type of virtual environment. Jackson, I mean, um, it, you know, when I, I read an article the other day um, in the New York Times, and it was the, the title of the article was COVID-19 Praise on Jews' Biggest Strength. And the Jews' Biggest Strength, this is where the Enlightenment era hopefully comes in. This is a, the benefit of a good liberal arts education here. Um, the Jews' biggest strength, as this Arthur put it, and she was Jewish, was the, the willingness and ability to get together in groups to hold each other up in solidarity. And she said her aunt wanted to go sit Shiva after someone passed away. And, and there was a gathering of 400 people. And immediately they recognized that wasn't a good idea for the community in this new time. You can't sit with 400 family members in this time. And so it uniquely, uh, from her perspective, um, attacked and disrupted the, the culture. And Jackson, in your point, the, the strength of an organization to hold live events. Um, and, and when an external event, um, an exogenous shock, 
directly threatens your differentiating uh, ability, that's that's existential, right? That's uh, that's that's a significant threat. Some of us, you know, can play through this uh, differently than others. Jeff, anything to add here? I was just curious, Jackson, if I could ask a, a quick follow-up and thank you for being jolly on the spot. That was a cold call, everyone on the podcast. We did not. I, I gave that. I gave him a I oh, gave him a heads up in the chat. I mean, but, but uh, still, listen, uh, pretty pretty eloquent response, and we appreciate it. Um, as you're looking across customer, your your clients who are trying to pivot at the moment, um, I've been starting to gauge as we talk to people who how quickly or who is in survival mode purely. And where people have sort of gone through, Matthew was talking about cycles of change and psychodynamics, uh, they've kind of gotten through, okay, this is happening and we're surviving, to how do we take advantage of this moment? How can we be creative? How can we solution differently? As you think about the portfolio of people you're dealing with, where are they uh, on that spectrum? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think the study of psychodynamics uh, has been pretty wild the last two, three weeks, obviously. I think, um, I think obviously those first two weeks, just about everyone is in survival mode, including our, our own organization, where, you know, I think going into COVID-19, we had about uh, 18% of our workforce that was, uh, was working in a true remote environment. Uh, and now we've got 95%. You know, the only the only people that are still going into the office are, are the IT folks that are keeping the lights on and, and keeping us on the on the rails so that we can operate as a company. Um, so I, I think that it's it's taken adjustment and adaptation for, for us to be able to to help our, our clients. Um, I, I think that there's still probably 20-30% that are that are in a little bit of that survival mode. You know, I'm, I'm working with a couple of clients right now where we are, we're pitching them uh, some, some incentive solutions in the channel and they are on a complete hiring freeze. Mm. Um, and we just have to accept that, work with them and, uh, and be understanding. I think that some of our clients that are more events based, um, they, they were freaking out obviously for the first couple of weeks of this as they started to understand that that having a live event in the next, you know, three, four months is just simply not an option. Um, but now I think that it's been fun to collaborate with them, show them some of the, the virtual capabilities, the augmented reality that we can, that we can bring to the table to help them put on a, a really strong event. Never, ever going to truly replicate what that mm -hmm. live event would have been, but we can replicate pieces of that. Um, and so now you've seen a significant shift in, in probably, you know, 40, 50 percent of our clients that are that are truly event clients for us to where they're they're collaborating. They're trying to innovate. They, they want to figure this thing out on the fly with us. And, and they want to they want to capitalize in some way on what this environment currently is. So I think it's I think to answer your question, it's a mix of both. Thank you. I think uh, Jeff, we, we only wanted to 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 pick on on Jackson and get his opinion because he has the best radio voice ever. Uh -huh. um, he uh, Jackson has also done uh, sports commentary and color commentary for for Drake Sports uh, over the years. So Jackson, thanks for playing along. Thank you guys for having me. I intentionally do not have a, a camera on right now because it's uh, every day is hat day for me these days. And nobody needs to see that. So thank you guys for having me. This is awesome. Right on. It. Thanks. Thanks for being part of our community. Really do appreciate it. Um, Captain, where, where do we go next? 
I saw McKinsey writing to us about the new normal of business. I thought I might go there next and see what she, find out what she's seeing uh, from her storytellers and what's going on. Mackenzie, what's the story? So I provide uh, marketing and public relations for businesses. We have a sort of a boutique agency. And what I am seeing is that businesses really are trying to transition to online services and day of life. And this can also be an opportunity for some businesses who are already set up um, or can transition quickly. So my team put together a digital business checklist to really help people walk through what they can do right now in the moment, what they have control over, because there's so much we don't have control over right now. Um, so just really quickly an overview, and I'd love to share this resource with your podcast listeners. Um, first is just to create and share those online services. So if you can quickly create a digital store, a service, a product offering, sometimes you just need to do some basic training on how do you transition to a Zoom call or, or workshops. Um, and then really you need to tell people that you're offering these services. Right now there's a lot of confusion about what is open, what's not, um, can things be done online, can things not be done online, and so just really sharing. And then if you are networking, um, having those, those webinars, um, doing a podcast just like this, creating community around the technology so we're still able to socialize while keeping social distance. The second piece is really having that clear, confident communication. So um, business changes um, are hard. There's a lot of fear right now. There's a lot of uncertainty. And so I think as business leaders, being able to set, create that sense of calm and saying, you know, we are in a new normal, um, but we're, we're doing business. We're continuing to serve and lead in our community, in our niche. Um, and that can be something like sending customer-facing emails or newsletters, also making sure that you're commuting confidently with your staff um, so they're aware of how you're, what you're doing as they're talking to your clients. Um, and then sometimes it's just really transitioning those print resources into a digital offering. So what can you do on social media? Is there a print brochure you can transition to a, a PDF um, to help you share those resources? And then the third step is really to invest into your digital tribe. Um, so this is a marketing concept around content creation, really leading with value, leading with leadership, doing something just like this, where you're offering a free resource. Um, you're really helping people in that moment. And I'm seeing a lot of this online, um, podcasts, webinars, uh, touch bases, just, just things around like, let's all get together and let me help serve you through this crisis and build that relationship and that value on the front end. And I'm seeing a lot of people do that right now. Yeah. We've chatted a lot about improv. And uh, I know Ted Hughes is, is sort of the, the king of, of improv. Um, <laughs> Ted is a, a CITO professional. And so the ability to, to be agile, to respond immediately, um, it just, I mean, a, a perfect uh, example of, of how one pivots. But Mackenzie, how do people just in that aspect um, you know, listen, we're, we're in a, in a conservative, conservative geography, in a conservative industry, in many ways, in, in financial services, a lot of us. Um, how, do we, how do we develop that muscle memory of, of improv, of pivoting, um, of, of, of assessing quickly, and then responding quickly? How do, we, how do we protect that? I'll go Mackenzie and then Ted. I'd really love your thoughts because you're leading a team there that um, is able to uh, pivot quickly. But this is our, our, our calm is contagious uh, uh, image, something that we've been putting out. And, and in order to, to respond effectively and quickly, you do need to maintain your head. So Mackenzie, and then maybe we'll go to Ted, if you're willing. 
Yeah, so I would say that probably the most potent thing is that you still are who you are. Just like you said, know thyself. That doesn't yeah. change. Your values don't change. Your mission doesn't change in this. Um, if you, um, you know, financial services, I think about like calm, security, rational decisions. People need that message right now. People are scared. And if you have that leadership in that space, people need to hear from you. Um, so a lot of times it's taking what you already have and just changing the delivery model. Yeah. Um, what's really interesting is that I also do public relations. So I'm, I'm talking with media colleagues um, and there's, you know, advertising has really dried up. Um, there's some, been some, um, some publications that are sort of not publishing anymore, or putting things on hold or really scaling yeah. back around the country. And so just really thinking about Facebook a lot of times really is that new uh, paper route and podcast really is that new radio. Um, and so just thinking through, you know, the message doesn't change. The delivery might shift a little bit, but you still are who you are. So just thinking about just that small shift um, rather than like a big overhaul. Yeah. Ted, would, would love to get you in here if, if you're willing. Um, what, what are you seeing? I mean, from an improv, you lead an organization from a, as a technology professional. I, I always look to technology to model agile response and, and, and improv and, and pivoting. Um, what, what are you seeing in the field? How are you responding and, and, and staying calm at the same time? Yeah, you know, um, my thought when you, when you were talking about this, this kind of leads me to a, a session I sat in yesterday, um, and it was just 41 chief information officers across the country, invite only from uh, Gartner. And, um, you know, we were talking about this and, and, you know, um, I think the question before that, that uh, Jeffrey mentioned, and then kind of leads into this as well. I think that what we're seeing in America on the response of this pandemic is kind of a different mentality than everywhere else i believe in the in the, in the world and that is i think that everybody all the companies started from a, a point of care yeah, you know? yeah. And, and you know you didn't see the companies respond with oh well this is going to blow over or, or uh you know well i got to worry about my bottom line or whatever it, it you know everybody that i've talked to from a cil perspective their approach was was a perspective of take care of x first was the employee then was then it moved on to the customer then it moved on for us to the agency and distribution force um you know i think i think that gets you nimble you know if you, if you yeah if you ultimately have a strategy that can compartmentalize the the approach of what you're trying to attack that becomes nimble by itself because you have to shift so quickly. I love McKinsey, your, your, your three bullets, because that, honestly, you know, um, that's where we're at. We're preaching to the business right now that this is not a problem. This is an opportunity. This is an, an, an amazing <laughs> opportunity for you to, to pivot, you know, and, and, and as senior leaders, we were in a call on Monday and, and our CEO, made the comment and I, I am a 400% behind this. And that is that in adversity, you have an opportunity to refresh your strategy. Yep. Why not take it? 
Listen, uh, I think what we've been preaching is never let a good crisis go unutilized. Um, I mean, a, a crisis is the perfect opportunity to unfreeze behaviors, reassess the, the landscape, and then refreeze in our response to that crisis. And, and my goodness, uh, Ted, um, you know, distribution will change. Um, I was on a call with some life insurers yesterday and, and we were talking about, listen, are you going to have a medical professional walk into folks' home to do, uh, to do testing um, you know, after this or during this? Probably not. Uh, and we literally were describing joint ventures between life insurers and 23andMe. Um, how do you underwrite uh, you know, life insurance uh, without medical examinations. And, and so that's, that's a, the big type of thinking that, that some folks are, are thinking about. And then, you know, the, the step into taking a joint venture. But I know we have a, a couple thoughts. We're coming up here to the top of the hour. We'll probably, um, we, we envision this. This is, if it, if it lasts an hour, that feels like a meeting. Um, if it lasts a, a half an hour, maybe we, we, uh, we, we, we leave folks maybe interested to, to come back. So we'll probably be no more than 45 minutes, but um, if, do, if folks do need to, to peel off for an eight o'clock, we just want to say, first of all, thank you for being here. Um, our expectation um, is going to be that we're going to be doing this weekly in a synchronous format and, and uh, maybe even bi-weekly in an asynchronous format. So uh, releasing some podcasts that way. But I think uh, one of our main initiatives is to bring together a community that are responding to this um, together to, to learn and, and to hear from one another. So with that, uh, I know Molly Wheeler, uh, I think is, is queued up with a question, but Jeff, um, maybe introduce uh, Molly and, and Molly, I mean, you're in a, an interesting position in, in Chicago dealing with malls. Jeff, I'll turn it over to you. Well, that, that's exactly what I was going to say before I uh, let her take it away. As you were saying distribution and I was scanning the people on the call and I thought one of our favorites, Molly Wheeler, is in an industry that is closed. Uh, yeah. And I, I thought I'd ask her to, to give us a bit of their perspective, uh, focused on a, on a sort of an industry and a segment that really is being hampered by COVID-19. Molly? Yeah. Uh, yeah, not a question per se, but yeah. Kevin just wanted me to, to chime in. I think what Ted was saying about leading with care is something that like our industry definitely has been trying to do and just making sure that like we have 170 malls across the country and those are community hubs for people like those are physical spaces where people come together so that's like it's over right now um but i think just making sure that we still maintain that as our value proposition and like after this i think people are going well it's my own personal opinion people are going to be very interested in coming back and going shopping with friends and their family and um checking that out but right now it's like what can we do can we do like blood donation in the parking lots? Can we do um, a drive-through farmer's market where we've had physical farmer's markets before? So like the, our malls are a lot about national retailers, but they're also about local businesses. So it's just how can we like cultivate those relationships and keep them going during this time? Um, but to talk about like distribution, uh, like a direction that I think malls were going before this and will continue to go full force after this, is using like your store as more of a warehouse. And yeah. if you order something from American Eagle, it doesn't have to come all the way from California. It can come from Jordan Creek Mall. Um, so we've been talking about, you know, like kind of how do we reel that in and make like a fulfillment center within the mall that can 
like bring all of that together. Um, and I think this will definitely be a driver to, to keep that project going and um, make that happen more. Cause I think during this time, like people are still ordering online. So yeah. even if your physical store is closed, like how can you utilize that space um, to be like a value add for your company? So I don't know. That was a lot of random thoughts and it was not, no, not, not at all. <laughs> I think focusing on value proposition and reflecting on it in this moment, how can you deliver the same value in different ways? I think that's key to how companies are going to succeed and thinking about the mall as a physical asset that was a community center and how else can it work so that people get what they need? I think that's a key takeaway uh, for, for pretty much everyone in strategy is how do you refocus and double down on why you exist, why you do what you do, what is the value you deliver? Uh, so thank you for for sharing what your 170 properties are trying to do in the crisis. When whenever we get a, a call from the media um, where where a mall is pivoting their strategy, uh, where a mall may be uh, re envisioning what 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 they're going to be for their community, I immediately call Molly Wheeler. Uh, she represents uh, malls all over the country. Um, and, 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 you know, how they re-envision their future in an era that's, that's changing rapidly. Jeff, um, I do want to bring in uh, Alan Salabasic. Um, and, and Alan, uh, I think, is, is on the East Coast. Um, and, and maybe also after that, we could pivot to, to Riyadh. I, I think we're joined uh, from, from Saudi Arabia with Christiana. But Alan, before we, we get there, I'd, I'd just like to say um, what you see on your screen is a book about um, collapse. It's written by an evolutionary biologist uh, named Jared Diamond, and he profiles societies that, that stick to their commonly held assumptions and values in the face of all reasonable evidence. Um, and so he, he profiles one society in, in Scandinavia that, that loved to eat meat. And they actually recolonized an area of Greenland um, and they brought over cows. And then as we know now, Greenland is a pretty harsh environment. Um, and their culture and their values and the way of, of their, you know, organizing their, their society um, you know, said, we're going to eat meat and we're not going to eat fish because fish are dirty. Um, and so what happened? The, the winter came, killed off all the cows. Um, and instead of re-examining what had made them so strong to begin with, which was, you know, a, a focus and a, and a diet around meat, um, they decided to uh, all their cows had died. They did not go, you know, into the abundance of the ocean to, to eat fish. They decided instead to start eating each other and the society fully collapsed. Um, and so I, I think the, the question, especially in times of rapid change, are what are our, um, you know, perfectly held assumptions or goals or, or values or ways of doing business that we need to fundamentally question in order to get through this time? Uh, because I don't know about you, Alan, but I do not want to resort to cannibalism. Um, so with that, Alan, uh, what's, what's the view from New York, from Connecticut? Um, from your perspective, Alan is a graduate of Drake, uh, is entering Harvard uh, Business MBA, but has been uh, in, in investments here in asset management for the past number of years. And not only that, he's uh, probably the best tennis player I know. Alan, what do you see from your vantage point? 
Well, wow, thanks for the for the great introduction. Thank you for having me. First of all, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here with you today uh, over the screen, at least. Um, from what I'm seeing, and I'm I'm sitting in uh, Connecticut. The firm I work for is a small hedge fund that has a pretty broad um, investment horizon and uh, strategy in that we try to um, invest in companies for the long run. So I can speak from our point of view is right now, and I think you know, for most companies, um, this is a sh short-term pain that we don't know how long it will take to get resolved. But in the long run, <clears throat> there are businesses out there that are going to be able to sustain themselves and thrive some more so than others. Um, and what we're seeing is that across the board, businesses who might be fine in the short term or not are getting slashed in terms of valuation the same way as businesses that might not be fine or get in trouble uh, in the short term. And, you know, it, there's an opportunity for, for someone who can, you know, put on the, the helmet of long-term investor, the hat of long-term investor and pick through those companies that are going to be fine in the long term, but might experience some short-term gain and see their valuations get cut, to you know, take 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 that take advantage of that mispricing. Um, however, you know, it is really tough to uh, stay disciplined in such an environment. When you see the world coming crashing down, how do you stay through to your initial strategy, to your initial values? Do you, you know, you start doubting yourself whether, you, whether your strategy is the right one. And I think, you know, the time that you spend coming to this point is probably, is, is critical. And you can argue either way, but I would say it's probably more important uh, than what your, the, the strategy shift you're trying to make now. I think, you know, the preparation leading up to this. Uh, our firm has had basically the same investment strategy for the last 20 years. Yeah. And we decided that we pick our, our, what we are good at and we let the market oscillate around that. So make our strategy co constant and let, you know, market gyrations just um, direct whether we, we're seeing opportunities or not. And when you mentioned that uh, example from the book Collapse, that's probably the same pitfall that the people fell into by uh, choosing to stick to their same, you know, long standing values and dis disregarding or misinterpreting or completely failing to see some uh, bigger issue. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really important to you know, evaluate whether your strategy is still relevant, whether you need to be making a, a, a small shift or a big change to it. And uh, at least from our perspective, it's been, you know, more of the small tweaks, tr try to stay true to your values and try to, you know, put on the, the lens of someone who's looking five, 10 years beyond this. Because um, overreaction is also a real risk, right? Um, mm -hmm. we, we always say, you know, this is an image that we find critically important. You know, how do we balance culture? short-term performance and long-term sustainability simultaneously. You know, that's 
ambidexterity. How do you compete mm -hmm. and execute for the present while simultaneously retaining a, a long-term view um, and, and taking a, a shifting long-term perspective and, and, and use it to inform those short-term decisions? Just absolutely, absolutely critical. And, and um, Alan, I, I just want to have one more follow-up for you, maybe on a little bit more personal note. You're, you're in the epicenter probably of um, how things are unfolding in the United States. We always say the future is already here. It's just unevenly distributed. And so for, for the middle of the country, um, you know, we look to New York uh, for, you know, a week or two in advance of us. We look to Italy a week or two in advance of New York, and we look um, to, to China and, and potentially, God willing, South Korea as, uh, you know, four or five weeks in, in front of uh, New York or, or us. What are you seeing just personally there on the ground? Um, and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll bring it back. Alan? Sure. Uh, I could, you know, the situation in, in New York City is particularly bad. As, and that's been publicized in the news, and like even my relatives in Bosnia are talking about that because yeah. it, it, it's it's so um, it's particularly you know bad and it's particularly co well covered. Um, but 35 miles outside of the city here in Connecticut, um, it's a drastically different situation. Um, we don't have a formalized you know stay-at-home order. It's not a lockdown situation. Uh, it's more of a please stay at home, um, be smart uh, guidance from our governor, and people are outside running in parks and, and whatnot. So, like the, you know, there's not as, even though we're very close to the city and most of us commute in and out of it, there's the, just a difference between how people are approaching or realizing how uh, serious the situation is pretty, pretty uh, dramatic. Big difference, um, yeah. and I have colleagues that live in 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 on Manhattan and in Long Island City, and they're you know they're, they're afraid to get out go outside. Uh, yeah, here you know you put on your jogging shoes at 5 p.m. and you go for a run. Uh, it's 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 very yeah it's 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 different, and um, it, it's it's all you know pe people's response is different based on the context they're in. They see. It's it's nice out. Uh, it's not as densely populated. It's not as bad to see a street here uh, be empty as it is in you know in Manhattan. Yeah. Um, so it, the context always uh, amplifies uh, response or you know downgrades it. And there's big dichotomy in response in Connecticut and in New York City, even though they're 40 miles apart. Yeah. 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 Well, I know we have a few other folks, uh, Dr. Kappen, uh, on the call, and, and, uh, but, but Christiana is looking at, at us here from a distance, maybe from her hotel room in Riyadh. Uh, in Riyadh or Jeddah? Is Saudi? In Riyadh, in Riyadh. Good morning, everyone. In Riyadh. Um, and, and also, I, I know we have Rory from... Uh, Rory, are you in, are you in Louisville um, in, uh, in the Midwest there? Um, so I actually uh, moved back to uh, Des Moines uh, temporarily to, to uh, take care of my parents. Uh, but yeah, I'm normally in Louisville. All and right. uh, yeah, things are, uh, things are doing well there. Well, love to, to catch up a little bit later. 
Um, and, and we also have Courtney from Vermeer. Courtney, I, I hope you're doing well and, um, you know, uh, following the, the global strategy for Vermeer and a manufacturing uh, facility around the world. Nana, um, we got you here in Des Moines, always um, somebody that, uh, that is staying on top of not only what's going on here, but, but uh, industries around the world. Um, Christiana, Maybe give us a, a, an update from your perspective in Saudi, and then I think we probably will want to, to wrap up after that. Well, um, things in Saudi are actually, um, well, Saudi Arabia actually went into lockdown very early in the process. So we are on lockdown and curfew from 3 p.m. in the afternoon until 6 a.m. the next morning. So um, it's an interesting shift. Everyone in terms of the community has come together without real complaints. Everyone's adhering to the regulations uh, because the, the sentiment here is that the sooner we get rid of it, the sooner we can get back to business. Um, the positive element that um, I've experienced in the last couple of weeks is um, re with regards to the shift of uh, doing work virtually, especially for a culture, uh, as is the case in the Middle East, where it's very much a meet-in-person type of culture. Yeah. Uh, and now the circumstances are actually forcing them to, uh, to work virtually. And I feel that that will bring a lot of benefit going forward um, and uh, enabling business to be done in a very different way. So right now, the strategy here is harsh lockdown, so that you know, the quicker we deal with it, the quicker we can get back to business. And it's actually paid off. Like um, in Riyadh, for example, before curfew was imposed two weeks ago, um, we had about 50 new cases a day and we've dropped down to seven uh, yesterday. And it's been like a gradual, um, a gradual drop down in numbers and new cases every single day. The cities are actually individually on lockdown, so you can't move from one city to another. So while it may sound a little bit intimidating in terms of freedom of movement, right now, no one's moving and everyone's happy not to be moving, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, so looking forward to, um, to having a little bit of normality here starting to, uh, you know, to, to emerge over the next week or so. We do anticipate that if in the coming, I was speaking to someone um, in, from a government entity actually this morning, and he was telling me that you know, if the numbers continue to decrease and we get uh, a few consecutive days with zero new cases for Riyadh, um, the anticipation is that uh, each respective city will start to reopen for business slowly but surely. So wow. that's kind of where we are right now. Well, well, uh, you know, if that is uh, part of our future in the United States, that is somewhat encouraging. And, and yet we always know with pandemics, there's, there's a second and third wave. And, and how do you manage normal through those, those waves? Listen, uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to, to Cap, and we are here at, at 8.15, 8.17, um, and we want to make sure that, that we don't uh, monopolize your time, but um, Cap'n? Yeah, I think uh, first, thank you to, for everyone for joining, uh, coming to the very first Baton Salon, uh, and Christiana, thank you for making uh, the last observation global. Um, uh, I don't know if Christiana introduced herself, but she represents Baton uh, in the Middle East and the Mediterranean and the Balkans, and um, it, it, she has had a, a roller coaster of a ride uh, weathering the, the virus uh, in Saudi Arabia. 
Um, I think just in, in by way of closing, um, I think a message that we can take out of everything that we heard uh, today, um, one, it is a serious situation. It is an exogenous shock. The, the world economy is in a crisis moment. Um, but that also gives us opportunities for innovation, the chance to reflect on value propositions, uh, re-examine our whys, uh, and, and as Mitchell alluded to, not waste a good crisis. Um, as we can think about ways to do things differently or prepare ourselves for the next wave of growth and what we, what we hope will be a swift um, recovery after the crisis is over. Um, we're, we're hoping that some of the, the fundamentals that were good beforehand will rapidly return and, and sooner or later, we'll all be gathering at one of Molly's properties for, for a coffee and, <laughs> and have our salon in person as they used to be during uh, the original uh, enlightenment events. So uh, with that, I think that's kind of my closing thought and, and a message for us to take away uh, as we go into our Friday and maybe something to reflect upon over the weekend. Dr. Kappen, thank you. I, uh, I, as, as I think about this and as we chat with, with folks, um, the, the message and, and story also comes to me about Hansel and Gretel. Um, and, and Hansel and Gretel is, is a story where their mother and father had to make some very, very difficult decisions in a time of scarcity. Um, their mother and father said, you know, infanticide was uh, fairly common at that time. And they said, we don't have enough food to feed our, our family. And so um, they, they walked Hansel and Gretel out into the woods and, and left them. Um, and, and as I think about that, um, you know, I think about with my clients, my students, uh, and definitely my own children, we probably haven't known scarcity the way Hansel and Gretel's family know scarcity and, and, and had to make very, very difficult decisions. But in this time, um, I like to call these crucible moments. In these crucible moments of, of great opportunity or great crisis or great change, that's when we make decisions that are going to affect ourselves and others for the rest of our lives. And, and I just think about all of you um, walking through this time together. Um, and and I, I just would extend our hand and, and solidarity with you as, as you're making decisions that are going to affect you and those around you for the rest of your life. And, uh, and I appreciate your willingness to be here with us um, in, in this time uh, to, to walk through this time together. So with that, um, Carter has, uh, has gratefully provided some, some closing things, just details. I will tell you, this will be available on, on all your podcast streams um, at some point. We hope to do this every Friday. Um, and if there's a need or an interesting topic that you'd like to share, please let us know. Um, feel free to, to email us or, or, or hit us up on LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, suggest those ideas. We, we, mo we mostly discussed strategy today. Maybe we can save self-care and resilience and sustainability for another, um, for another time. So with that, uh, we'll go ahead and sign off here. Be careful. Take care. Be well. Rest well. And as we always like to remember, um, just hashtag calm is contagious. Let's respond with a, a mentality and a mindset of preparedness, not panic. Take care, folks.